0: return to our seats, we'll do the Song of Preparation, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, page 21 in your songbook, let's stand, See, you know, those of you who are standing and talking, you're already in compliance, huh, because you're standing. Amen. Oh, say Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well in it is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the forehead.
2: My name is uh, Doug Gill, and I'm an elder here at Presbyterian Church. Can you guys hear me okay? Good, back there? Okay. Uh, occasionally, Ryan asked me to preach, and so this is one of these mornings. Uh, if you're new, if this is your first time here, uh, how can I say this? Come back next week, all right? And get the normal guy, all right? So this is kind of a one-off kind of thing, all right? <clears throat> uh, thank you, Abby, for Psalm 133. This morning, I've got a really, like, deep and heavy message for us. So I want to talk about something a little more maybe outwardly pleasant first. Um, So this morning I'm going to talk about being a peacemaker in the Christian life, how we can get along long-term as Christians, right? And there's some heavy stuff to talk about. But the goal is so beautiful to think about Psalm 133, behold, It's, it's it's like a miracle. Like a wonder. He told how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. I and mean, he describes it like an expensive oil. We call it a perfume. Just just pouring out. It's just so beautiful. It smells so good. Alright, so that's what we're that's what we're striving for. Something beautiful. Alright, let's well, a heaviness be So my text, and thank you for that reading, Abby. My text is Matthew 5:9, which says, as you know, from the beginning. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. And in that text, I notice two things. The first thing is, is that we're called to be peacemakers. This is an active thing. We are to strive to make peace with our brothers and sisters in the church. It's not just that we're passive, we're, we're peacekeepers, we're peaceable people, but we're actually on the move trying to make peace in the church. The other thing I notice is the goodness of God and how he puts a blessing on either end of this command to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. You want to be happy? You want to be full of life? You want to be full of joy? These are, this is like a blessed thing that God will do for you as, well, as you learn to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. Another promised blessing. So it's like we'll have a we'll have a family resemblance, and we'll known to we'll, we'll be known by people to be children of God, and because we have a family resemblance, we'll learn to be like God who reconciled the world to Himself in Jesus Christ, so we can go and be reconciled. It probably also means that blessed are people, called the people who children of God, but at that final day, that last day, that judgment day, when Jesus separates the sheep and before all people who have ever lived and before all the angels, God will say, This is my God. Great blessing. Right. Have I made it positive enough before we dive dive into it? Okay, I hope so. <coughs> okay, before we start though, before I get too far into it, let's look at it. Father, we do thank you for your great love for us. The and, the and so we pray that you continue to fill us with your love every day. We pray that we would never feel guilty about asking in your love because that's where our strength
1: comes
2: Lord, open our ears, open our eyes, take our sick love, take our hard heart. talk about how to get along. you notice the subtitle on your bulletin is uh, how to be a teacher, but it's how to get along, long term. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but God's blessings tend to be long term. They're kind of hard, but if you do them, it's actually, it works long term. And I noticed in the Proverbs, the fool, he's always looking for a short term solution. And most worldly thinking, most fleshly thinking is short term. It works for a little while, but it doesn't work in the long run, all right? So we're going to look at long-term getting along this morning. Here's how you get along short-term. Number one, don't get involved. All right? Because people are the worst, right? And if you never get involved with people, you're never going to have problems. All right, but, you know, that's just not an option for, for the Christian. But, you know, that actually works for a little while. Everyone just doesn't open up. Eat, you don't open your life up at all, and uh,
1: yeah,
2: I don't want to do that. Clip, but that works for a little bit. Another short t- way of short-term thinking about getting along is you just hang out with your own clique. You so you know you've got your buds. Your, your besties, and so you know I know I know these people. I know that guy. I know that guy, Doug. You know he's kind of rotten actually, but you know I know it, and I know he's him. It's him. I can, you know, we just got this, all right? And that works. That works for a while. Again, but that's not really an option uh, for us as Christians. Another way to get along short-term, believe it or not, is just to gossip uh, about people. You know, it's like somebody hurt me. I'm going to go tell this person and this person say you gossip about it. Um, another way is just to hold grudges for as long as you can, all Right, And this actually, I'm always surprised about this, but this actually works worldwide. Maybe a year, maybe five years, maybe ten years, but eventually what happens is it blows up or people leave or something like that. Right? So it's not a good long-term solution. Although I'm always surprised how it kind of works short-term. Okay, so Matthew 5.9 is very general. Blessed are the peace users. But Jesus has also given us very specific instructions about how to do this stuff. The problem is they're very hard to do. They're impossible. As everything is impossible in the life without God's Spirit moving up. So what I want to do is I want to go through the instruction first, and then at the end talk about, oh, great job, Doug, great instruction, but how am I going to do that? You know, so we'll talk about where you would actually get the strength to be able to do any of this stuff. All right? <clears throat> Let's start with the most difficult one in my estimation, and that is to get along long-term in a church, you love Right? You love people. Here's a love verse from Philippians 2.4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Okay? So the first thing we do is we think, okay, as a Christian, I'm not going to be a just a self-absorbed person. Okay? But I'm going to open my life up. And I'm going to start taking an interest in people that I don't even know. All right. And maybe I'll start talking to them. And I'll start listening. You know, Christian speakers. I just listen to them. Kind of take an interest in what they're into, and I'll, I'll open my life up that way. Take an interest in others. Another good love section is First Corinthians thirteen, verses four through seven, like the Ten Commandments of love. This this section should be so important to us as Christians because the number one uh, commandment for Christians is say it out loud, it, to, to to love God. But the second greatest commandment is what? to love your neighbor, to love people. So this 1 Corinthians <coughs> 13, 4 through 7, it gives like 15 qualities of what love looks like. So those should be our study to know what kind of attitude we want from God to be able to love people. All right? But this is hard. I think of the first one, love is Right one, God's will. You should check. you, know, you I don't want to make a joke out of this, because I really am asking God to change me, but I am impatient in traffic. I have, I have probably had, I and mean, if you've driven with me more than five or six times, I've had Christians, non-Christians, everyone say, hey, you're kind of impatient in traffic, aren't you? Is anyone with me? Nobody else has this problem? Okay. All right. And, you know, that's bad enough, but here's what I've recently learned. I'm not just impatient in traffic. I'm not now, not just, not that, you know, if you get in a conversation with me, I'll talk and I'll listen. And you wouldn't even know that I'm being impatient. With you. But there's a you know, I really want you to go to you know, in, in life, I want you to speed up. You know, it's not good. It's not good at all. And that's just the first one. Love is patient. So, we love. We receive love from God. And love. Now, here's what happens. We start with offenses, sin, either from you or from someone else. Can I get an amen? (laughs) All right. So let's let's take the first one. And some of this is really simple. But what happens when you offend someone? What happens when you sin against someone? Well, you repent for God and you ask for forgiveness from that person. Again, this is Christianity 101. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance toward God. James 515. Confess your sins one through nine. Okay? So pretty simple. If you sin against someone and you know it, go talk to them. Go after forgiveness. And it's not easy, but it's pretty clear. Here's something that's not quite so clear. What if you're not sure if you actually have a sin? This comes up regularly. What if you've done something, said something, and you're kind of getting a vibe, from that person. like hmm, maybe, maybe they took that, you know, maybe hmm, maybe that wasn't good. You know, you know it wasn't good, but you don't know if it was a real offense that they're mad at. You. Well, I would say uh, that you're better off to go talk to that person. All right? I'm going to quote a scripture from Jesus, and he's, it doesn't quite fit because it says, "This is what happens. You, you should do it if you know someone has sinned against you." But I'm saying a lot of times we don't quite know, right? And I'm telling you it's better to go and talk to that person early about it. So the verses are from Matthew 5, 23, and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar, and they'll remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and come and offer, offer your gift. again, I think you could squeeze out of that one, like, I don't know, though. I mean, I did something, I said something, but I don't really know what You know, we'll just, we'll just let it lie. Again, I think that's short-term thinking. I think you're much better off to just go to that person and say, hey, I did this, and did that bother you? Or, you know, I'm kind of getting this vibe from you. What did I do, you know, to do that? And nine times out of ten, you'll find out that they'll say something like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You're a crazy person. Or, uh, no, 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 no. That day, I was in a that that was so small, who okay. cares? You know, that's what you'll find if you'll do this kind of thing early. All right. So, loving each other. If we've offended someone, we ask to forgiveness If we're not sure, we go and talk to them. What about if someone offends up? Okay, now we're talking. This is the part I'm interested in. I remember I was a high school English teacher, and um, penmanship is a lost art seniors who still are writing illegible. So the first two days of class, I would have penmanship exercises in, in school, right? And one kid, I remember, he was really struggling trying to make these circles to fit right in line, to you know, make kind of work on them. Being clear in your writing, and he looked and said, he looked at just got real. And th- this is, that's the first time I'd ever heard that, so I just busted out laughing. So, okay, somebody sins against me. Now things just got real. I'm interested in this. Uh, let's get them. The first thing we do uh, when someone sins against us uh, is you just overlook the offense, or you just cover it the offense. Proverbs 19:11. Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook and offend. I think sometimes when somebody wrongs us, you know, it's almost like you're a wuss. If you don't get, you know, I want to get back at them. And if I don't, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a wuss. So, bam, that's, that's what I think. No, it's actually your glory. You are a glorious soldier of Christ if you can just overlook that. Right. Peter says it a different way. He says that love should cover a multitude of sins. First Peter 4, eight. Someone sins against you? Ask God for strength. You just cover it. Maybe it comes up again. You feel anger, unforgiveness. Ask God to just cover it. Love covers a multitude? What? Many? Of sins? Real sins? Yes. You can just cover it. You can just overlook it. You know, in my experience, I've found that a lot of times people... Or just having a bad day. Or maybe they don't feel well. In my 40s, I was uh, out of commission for about a year. I didn't feel well at all in my body. it changed my behavior during that year. And so I always, when I talk to someone, I'll ask them, so well, how how's it going today? How are you feeling? you feeling okay? Because sometimes people just don't feel well. You know, it changes. their behavior. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I know he struggles with that, so you know, that's fine. I just have Even Jesus on the cross. Them father, but they don't really know what doing. So we must learn to be thin-skinned when it comes to offending others, but really thick-skinned when it comes to others offending us. We should be like turtles. Right? I'm we should be like turtles, like hard shells when others offend us. But the turtle, I looked at images. They have like a really soft. That's the way we should be very, very sensitive. That should be the title of the sermon: "The Soft." Yeah. yeah. All right. So we we overlook we overlook them, or to say it another way, we just forgive them. Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus said, "Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone." So that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Or during the Lord's prayer, he said, Lord, forgive us our debts as you forgive our debts for. What does that mean? When we sin against God, we incur a debt. There's a real uh, transgression that has happened. And it's as if we owe God money. And think about your sin. Think about my sin. How much do we owe God for the sins of his The debt, it's like mountains high-soaring above. So. mountains of debt we owe. And God is asking us, as He has forgiven all those, He's blown them away in Christ. He's asking us then to go release the debt um, that we've had for others. And let me talk about sin as a debt. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. When someone sins against you, it is a real it is wrong, it is injustice, and God knows it is. It is bad. In a just world, if there was nothing about mercy in this world, what would happen? Let's say that's it. right? He goes behind my back and doesn't me like two people. We just lied about it. You know what should happen in a just world? You should owe me say a thousand dollars, that's really what he owes me. In a just world, he did that, he owes me, and I should be paid for that. Right? And that's what God has asked us to do in forgiveness, It's just release the death. You don't owe me. That. But it, I, I want to make the point that it is wrong, and it is, and your anger and all that stuff is understandable, because it's an injustice. It should not have happened. So forgiveness is, at bottom, making the decision to release the debt. It's telling your emotions, which are all the time saying, yeah, but what about this? And yeah, yeah, I know. I know all about that. And then your mind says, well, we're going to release the debt. We're going to get you under control, and you're going to release it. Uh, This is the point in the sermon which we quote Medea. Uh, This is from Medea's class reunion. Anybody? Nobody? Okay, your assignment this week is to go out and watch the play version. I don't like the TV version. I think it's terrible. But the play version of Medea's Class movie. And Medea is talking about forgiveness. And she's telling someone that they're never going to truly be happy in life unless they forgive. And she says, oh, it's deep, honey. It's deep. you got to forgive people. Mama, daddy, sister, brother, your ex, your uncle. I don't care what they've done good to you. Forgive them for you. Not for them. But for you, you walk around holding all that stuff while well, they're sleeping at night. Oh, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to be mad. That ain't going to do nothing to eat at you. There are people dead in the grave that still got a hold on people walking around this earth because of something they did to Now, that's what's sad. Let that stuff go. You can't fly with a whole bunch of stuff. You? you have to forget the sin? No. How could you? You have to be best friends with this person. Depending on the severity and the length of this sin that they've committed against you, it's going to take time to restore the relationship. But you can love them. You can pray for them. You can want the best for them. And really, what's the option if you don't cover sin or you don't forgive? Really, what, what is the option? The option is you can hold a drug which is not enough. Um, I don't know anything about the Navy, um, but I do know that when I played Battleship, uh, there was this boat. I'm trying to be funny, because what I'm going to say in a minute is really heavy duty. So it's like, it's like a destroyer, I think, is the one I like. I like the name um, uh, So I, th- you know those guns on the side of those boats? Where they're like these double guns, they're quite anti aircraft guns, and they go like this. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. You know what I'm talking about? All right. No, that's it. Boy. So this is this is Jesus pulling out the big gun, all right, about holding the bread. Matthew 6 15. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Yeah, but you don't know what the Jesus tells a story in Matthew 18. It's a parable. It's very well known. And I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. He tells his disciples, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he gives a comparison. He tells a story. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that I am bringing, this new kingdom, my kingdom, Christianity, is like this. A king is going to settle accounts. With his servants. I wonder what's going on. Is he getting old? Is he handing off the end of his son? Are you tired of getting ripped off by his servants? So, so, I don't. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, he's going to settle a pound with his servants. And the first one owes him ten thousand pounds. Now, in your Bibles, it the probably say he owes something like several million dollars. Somebody um, calculated this that the wage of a slave for every day, it would take this slave 200,000 years to pay this king back what he owed. Him. All right, so it's ludicrous. There's no way he's going to start to pay this king back. Right. So the guy, the guy comes and says, yeah, that guy owes you 10,000 pounds. And he can't pay. And the master, the king, says, hmm. okay, say what, sell him and his wife Children, and everything he has, and I'll take that. Back. And the guy says, No, 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 please. And he starts to beg. He says, Just be patient, and I'll, I'll pay you back everything. Which, course, he back. And what does the king do? Well, out of pity for this man, he just forgives the whole 200,000 years worth of debt in a 20 second. And the servant went out forgave everyone freely and gladly for the rest of No. That's how the story should have gone. That's not how the story goes. So as soon as he walks out of the throne room, he saw a fellow servant who owed him a few bucks, and he grabs this guy and starts choking him. And he says, you pay me what you owe me right now. And the guy says, have patience with me. And I will, I will, I know. I'll, oh, you've got all have some patience. And he, he more or less says, really? Okay, you'll hear from my lawyers? And he ends up in debtors for me Some of the fellow servants do this. Uh-oh. And you know what they do. They went to tell the king about this time. And the king hears this. And now this is the good part of the movie, right? So he brings the uh, servant back to him. And he says, Wicked slave, I forgave you everything when you with me. Throw him in jail for 200,000 years until back. And at this point in the story, Jesus comes out from telling the story and looks at his disciples and says, So also my heavenly Father will be to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's hard. So we forgive we go on to Holding a grudge is not an option. Talking to others is not an option. They send to me. I'm going to go talk to some people in the church about this. I mean, I can't go on in this sermon for all the little side issues, but, you know, if someone hurt me, maybe you can talk to your spouse, maybe you can pray with them. If someone's really hurt me, maybe you go talk to them kind of great, You know, but going around and just gossiping is not an option. But what about... If the next case, what if they somebody repeatedly, unrepentantly sins again? What do you do? Does Jesus give us any teaching on that? Well, he does. And he calls us to be peacemakers, to go reconcile with that person in humility. But when you go, and again, this is a this is a long series of sermons in itself, how do you actually go and talk to someone in place? Well the first thing you do is you go in self doubt and find out if you've done it. I mean, maybe you're not seeing the situation. Communication is impossible. Let's start communicating, right? So you've got to go and find out what is this guy why did this guy do this over and over again? What's up? So you got the first thing you do is you take the log out of your own eye. Jesus said, Why worry about a speck in the eye of a brother when you have a board in your own eye? Did you say, Man, let me help you get that speck out of your eye? When you can't even see. Because of the board in your own. Hypocrite? First get rid of the board, then you can see the help your brother. When you do that, pray, you go to this person, and you reprove them with humility. And this is really hard. Right? And again, well, I'm with that. But there is provision in the Gospel for this. Luke 17, verse 3 and 4. Jesus said, Rebuke your brother with these sins and forgive him. That he is sorry. Okay? I'm speeding up now. What happens if you go to someone, and you've taken the board out of your eye, you talk to them, you found out, oh, okay, I understand, so I did this one. maybe you don't talk anymore about it. You go back home and you think about it, pray about it some more. And maybe you go to them and say, Yeah, but in that situation I think this is really what you were doing, you know, and, and maybe and they'll probably say, You know, you're right, I shouldn't do that, I'm sorry. But what if they say, with Matthew 18, and you guys know that process. You've got to go get a couple of Christians In the Presbyterian Church, it's probably good to get elders involved at this point and go talk to this person and have a Christian intervention, right? It's like, brother, come on. you got to stop doing this. I mean, this, is, this is what you're doing. you got to stop. And if they repent, great. everybody, whatever to hold If not, they have to be asked to you, you know that. Okay, that's it. That is Christian now the question comes, how in the world are we going to get the strength to do the first thing? It's like really, really difficult. Well, the first thing is, is that we have to understand every day how much God has So you have to study the holiness of God. Just how holy He is. And then just how sinful we are as the Holy Spirit shows us that. That sounds really depressing, but it's really freeing when you see how many sins you have, I and mean, then God just cleanses you. Right? Ephesians four: Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassion to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. There it is. Colossians three: Therefore, as God's chosen people, you chosen, holy and dearly loved yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive
1: as the Lord forgave you. There it is, right?
2: So as we get fresh forgiveness from God every day, it gives us his to go forgive people. Psalm one thirty. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, you could stand. But with you there is forgive me. yeah, so that you may be healed, right? Lord, I know my sins are so high and I thank you that they are all forgiven, and therefore I fear you and I will do what you say. The second point, uh, the way we could actually get the strength to do this, is to enjoy God's love every day. Jude verse 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Paul prays in Ephesians 3, this and I didn't look this up, but in the Ephesian letter, was Paul in prison, he probably was. He okay, uh, so he's in prison, and he has a secretary writing this stuff down as he's saying this, and Paul says, I bow my knees before the father. I mean, he's thinking about, he's getting ready to talk about the love of God, and it just, it literally just bows him. He just, he just can't take it. He's got to get down on the ground. You know, when he thinks about it. I bow my knees before Thee." Father, from whom all fatherhood gets its name. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to be able to comprehend what is the breadth and length and death, and to know experientially the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. May this be so. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your instruction. Lord, in a way, we thank you that it is so far, that it is so far beyond us, that it takes you to perform these things. That's the way it is. Holy Spirit, yeah.
3: Thank you, Doug, for your sermon, I was wondering why every morning you asked me how I'm feeling. We now come to the time of the Lord's Supper, and this meal is, is Jesus's invitation to partake of His body and His blood. Every Sunday, we practice this in grace, and one, it's, there's many things going on. But one thing, and Doug references this, is it reminds us. That there was a death, and there is a death. I I think sometimes as Christians, you just, well, God is so merciful, he just forgives them. But there's a cost to that forgiveness. That Jesus died on a cross. As real as anything you can feel, as the noises you hear, there was a time and place in history where he hung on a cross. And blood actually streamed out of his body and from all eternity, that blood is for you. You are in God. And then, as he ascends into heaven, or not as he does, but he sends the helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit promises to be present at this meal. So that even though none of us were there, Jesus God, it's as if we were. It's as if we were there, not only at the crucifixion, but before that, at that supper, where he instituted this meal. Where he says we will eat and drink and you will be united to me. Christianity does not teach that you develop a few habits, a belief system, and you are good. Christianity teaches, the Bible clearly teaches, that your faith rests in Christ. And that if you are a Christian, His Holy Spirit dwells in you. And you are a new creation. And this meal is a special way we can freshly understand that concept, it's grace. We just heard the gospel proclaimed in our ears and in our hearts, and now this meal is a way we can taste the goodness of Christ. If you are here this morning and you are not a Christian, Grace Presbyterian Church welcomes you. We want to have people come in and explore Christianity, but we would ask you to, to, to not participate in this meal because it is for Christians. I think sometimes people think that are spiritual. I'll just go along with the spiritual thing. Like it's a lucky rabbit so please do not take a this meal. But if you are a Christian, this is not a Presbyterian meal. This is a Christian meal. For you. Um, let's now pray and then I'll introduce you. you know, Father, how gracious you are. How merciful you are. That on this particular day, specific elements, this bread, this juice and this wine. You will do a miracle. you will through your Holy Spirit revival. Remind us, convince us freshly of our union. Where we forget it, we are prone to wander. We are prone to hold grudges. We are prone to keep score. We look at ourselves Will we allow shame to work in our hearts, creating in us insecurity? Fear. For I suffer if you things I know we many of us, all of us And at this meal we can lay it down in feet And be known if you that's all our day. And I pray this morning your spirit would revive us freshly Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for living a perfect, unblemished life, and thank you for being the spotless Lamb of God, unblemished, dying for us. We praise you that you love us, and you save us, and you redeemed us, and we long to finish But until that day, thank you for this meal. We get closer. To Amen. Amen. On the night in which our beloved Savior died, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. So when you eat this bread and you drink this cup and you drink this cup, you and I are proclaiming the Lord's death and our reliance upon him. Our longing for him until he returns, and we see him face to face. A few housekeeping notes: again, we have some guests. We do our Lord's supper a little differently here at Grace. We come forward. We used to pass trays, and maybe someday we'll try that again. But this feels more like a family meal. But it can be awkward if you're so please don't let it be awkward. We will not release by rows. So the back row can come first if Charles wants to race up here, uh, or the front row may go last. However, you want to do it. But when you do come forward, there will be three stations, and you'll come as a group. Everybody will be served the bread and the, and the wine or the juice, and you'll take together. And you'll exit down the side where so there's a on the side and be seated. Um, also, so notes: the grape juice is the middle ring, and it's yellow, and then the wine is the uh, red color on the outer ring. We also have some wafers that are gluten-free for those that would like to take their juice. So now I'd like to invite the musicians and the other singers forward. The closing song is found on page 40 of your songbook, Oh Love That Will Not Let You Go.
0: Boy, that's it.